You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Ransomware continues to steal personal information. Notes on Patch Tuesday, and please, by all means, patch. The FBI says it's investigating cyber espionage directed against COVID-19 researchers. And U.S. officials see direct data corruption in espionage. Joe Kerrigan with Twitter's response to 5G-related coronavirus conspiracy theories. Our guest is Chris Cochran from Netflix on the importance of personal health and safety. And the AI doesn't really know what to make of us anymore. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. Ransomware continues to steal data. Bleeping Computer reports that Magellan Health, a large U.S. managed care and insurance provider, discovered on April 11th that it had been the victim of a ransomware attack. The incident compromised personal data, including names, addresses, employee ID numbers, and various details from U.S. W-2 or 1099 tax forms. A letter to affected stakeholders said that no fraud had so far been detected, but of course the incident remains under investigation. Magellan said that the ransomware arrived in a phishing email that misrepresented itself as coming from a customer. And speaking of ransomware, yesterday, May 12th, was marked by many as the third anniversary of WannaCry's peak, and Interpol declared it anti-ransomware day, InfoSecurity magazine quotes the head of Interpol's cybercrime directorate as saying the agency wants to remind everyone to keep good cyber hygiene and to wash your cyber hands. Yesterday was also Patch Tuesday. Adobe took care of 36 bugs and Microsoft addressed 111 issues. There's a view in circulation that you should take a wait-and-see approach to applying patches and that in particular you ought to turn off automatic Windows updates. Hang on, one columnist wrote, and wait to see what happens with other people. While in principle, this might make sense under some circumstances for an enterprise that must test patches to ensure the fixes won't affect their system's availability, and even granted that some patches come with problems, it's hard to see why individual users should do the same. One security expert tweeted that the advice amounted to digital anti-vax clickbait. Go ahead and patch. But if you must be selective in your patching, take a look at CISA's list of the 10 most exploited vulnerabilities and start with those. A joint warning issued by the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, that's the FBI and CISA, respectively, 
says the Bureau is actively investigating the targeting and compromise of U.S. organizations conducting COVID-19-related research by PRC-affiliated cyber actors and non-traditional collectors. The PRC is, of course, the People's Republic of China, and non-traditional collectors has, in earlier U.S. government advisories, referred to students and researchers already in place at institutions who are being activated to collect. Think of non-traditional collectors as, for the most part, forming a specific kind of internal threat. So, the espionage has allegedly moved beyond the password-spraying attack CISA and its U.K. counterparts in the National Cybersecurity Center warned against last week. Chris Cochran is Threat Intelligence and Operations Lead at Netflix and also co-host of the popular Hacker Valley Studio podcast. He joins us with insights on the importance of personal health and safety, especially in these uncertain times. I'm a service-centric person, so I support everyone else's functions and their missions across the company. And so any information from a threat perspective that I can supply to them is what my role is. In my opinion, we're doing a service for the world because a lot of people are stuck inside. They are, you know, hearing things on the news that might not be as you know, uplifting as it usually is. And so being able to have something to escape into is, I think, really important in this time. So, you know, my family, we, we sit down and we watch Netflix just like everyone else. And it, it's really a good family bonding time to kind of just dive into that world for a bit and get away from everything else that's going on. You are also the host of the Hacker Valley Studio podcast. Uh, Tell me about that. Yeah, the Hacker Valley Studio podcast. That's my passion project. It's literally what I go to bed thinking about and wake up thinking about. Uh, We really focus on the human element of cybersecurity. So the, the personas, the stories behind different products and teams and it's it's been amazing. We started last year, and uh, we actually just hit our one-year mark uh, here in April. And we've had some amazing guests on, and it just seems to be growing in its own legs. And uh, I couldn't be happier with it. So you say you focus on the human side. What sort of stories are you set out, setting out to tell there? Yeah, so the way we kind of look at our podcast is we look at it 70% sort of personal growth, self-help, and 30% cybersecurity. Because it's in my opinion that as cybersecurity professionals, we are truly mental athletes with no off time. There's no off season for us. And so we want to supply our professionals, the people that are in our community, with knowledge to make themselves better, better in their lives, better in their careers. So all the things that you can think of from uh, leadership ability to, you know, nutrition and fitness to, you know, uh, training, things like that. Uh, that's the stuff that we sort of focus on. Now, I think a lot of us find ourselves in the situation we're in these days with the coronavirus and working from home and, you know, being separated from uh, from our colleagues and, and even our loved ones. That takes an emotional toll on us. Um, do you have any tips, any advice for folks to how to kind of keep their chins up and, and keep motivated to given these challenging times? Yeah, I would say reach out to people. Definitely stay in communication as you can, whether it's through you know people that are in your house or virtually. There are tons of events that are going on online all the time. So find something 
where you can interact with other human beings. Because I feel like, you know, now is a time that we can actually build some bonds, even though we're all separated in this current time. So definitely reach out to people, talk to people, and just build memories. You know, hopefully this doesn't last much longer. But if it does, you know, at least you'll still have people that you can rely on. That's Chris Cochran from Netflix. If you have not yet checked out the Hacker Valley Studio podcast, what are you waiting for? It's a good one. Check it out. The Wall Street Journal writes in an exclusive that Iran, as well as China, is engaged in spying on organizations conducting COVID-19-related research. These efforts have been in progress since January 3rd, at least, and the damage they may have done could extend to more than simple theft of intellectual property. There appears to be a serious possibility of data corruption in the course of the incursions. Such corruption may have been accidental. It may have been incidental to the attackers' attempts to cover their tracks, like a house burglar who, by cleaning his own fingerprints, causes inadvertent damage to the home. Or it may have been intentional. The journal quotes a U.S. senior official as saying, quote, It is difficult and sometimes impossible to know what motivates such malfeasance but any such activity carries with it the risk of triggering accidental disruptive effects. End quote. CNBC notes that research organizations inevitably expand their attack surface as more of their people work from home, and that both personal and institutional networks are likely to become targets of cyber espionage. CNBC does mention the honor among thieves point of view that early in the pandemic took seriously various criminals and state-sponsored threat actors' avowals of their intention to leave medical, emergency, and research organizations alone, presumably for the common good. But at this point, it should be safe to say that all that stuff was so much argle-bargle and pixie dust to misdirect the rubes. Attacks on these kinds of organizations have, if anything, risen. And finally, the AI really doesn't know what to make of you nowadays. You're breaking its artificial heart. It's like you don't talk anymore, and that we hear because there's not much to do beyond watching your advice shows on daytime TV is bad for any relationship. Here's a consequence of the pandemic emergency it's been easy to overlook. MIT Technology Review says that artificial intelligence trained on actual human behavior has been suddenly baffled by all of your toilet paper hoarding, your strange hours, your seclusion in your basement, attic, bedroom, or other functional garret. It really doesn't know what to make of a population where what was once outlier behavior is now mainstream, when the new normal is so, so abnormal, at least from the machine's point of view. This has been particularly evident in applications of AI to retail problems. What to expect people to buy, how likely they are to close a purchase, how consumption patterns inform inventory, and so on. A lot more human intervention is required, but many businesses who've deployed AI lack the human resources to supervise the machines. Technology Review finds the upside in all of this. Quote, If we are looking for a silver lining, then now is a time to take stock of those newly exposed systems and ask how they might be designed better, made more resilient. If machines are to be trusted, we need to watch over them. End quote. Raise them upright. You don't want your AI to grow up sniping butts and throwing rocks at cars. And hey, as good old Dr. Phil says, we teach people how to treat us. And that's as true of the Scarecrow and the Tin Man as it ever was for Dorothy. They weren't AI, were they? No. Maybe the Tin Man was.
Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Joe, great to have you back. Hi, Dave. Interesting article uh, from The Telegraph, and uh, I, I know I'm, I'm uh, probably going to set you off here. It's titled, uh, Twitter Steps Up Its Fight Back Against 5G Coronavirus Conspiracy Theories. Now, Joe, I, I love a good conspiracy theory as much as the next guy. Can you unpack what's going on here? I will say this, Dave. I also love conspiracy theories as well. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of them. Uh, so long as they're harmless, right? Like okay. people being flat earthers, okay. People being anti-vaxxers, not okay. Uh, pe- <laughs> people right. saying that uh, 5G is the cause of coronavirus, not okay. Uh, yeah. and, and that's because it has wound up causing people to do things like set fire to cell phone masts in, in the UK. They've also seen some abuse directed at, at the telco engineers in Britain. There, there is no link between 5G and coronavirus. Uh, right. It's, of course not. <laughs> I don't think that's how viruses work. Um, you know, if you look at a map of where, uh, where 5G and coronavirus are, they're going to they're gonna overlap because that's where people are. So it's the old correlation is not causation. Exactly. Uh, We're looking at correlation. Yeah. Correlation is not causation. There, there is a correlation between where these are and, and where these two things coexist, but it is not the cause of the COVID-19 virus. Well, um, the other thing I wanted to explore here, though, is that uh, these major platforms like Twitter, right. uh, they're making some attempts to crack down on the spread of this misinformation. Yeah, that's, that's actually the point of the article, is that Twitter is going to start sending sponsored content to people who uh, post about this conspiracy theory. They're going to start getting information that has been verified by the British government in their promoted tweets. So now if you see a, if you, if you're 
a Twitter user, like every so so many tweets, you'll see a promoted tweet down at the bottom. And it's mm-hmm. a tweet that somebody has paid to have you see. And Twitter does an okay job of, of telling you that it's a promoted tweet. Mm-hmm. So the British government is, uh, is verifying this information. And now Twitter is going to say, okay, we're going to show these uh, people who believe the conspiracy theory about 5G and coronavirus uh, this information that the British government has, has vetted and approved. Mm-hmm. So trying to counter the misinformation with vetted good right. information. Yes, exactly. I don't know how effective it's going to be. My earlier example with with uh, with flat earth people, uh, you can show them all the evidence in the world and some of them will not believe any of it. Right, um, right. Well, it, the, the evidence is just evidence of the cover-up, not right. that they're wrong. Right? Exactly. A massive, <laughs> yeah. a massive global cover-up involving thousands and thousands and thousands of people, which would be almost impossible to do in and of itself. But hey, they, they do it somehow. It's interesting. They, they quote uh, Guillaume Chalot, who is a former Google engineer. He's, he actually laid a lot of this at the feet of social media sites uh, and said that their algorithms promote watch time at any cost. If you think about that, Facebook and Twitter and other social media sites are only valuable as long as you're looking at the sites, right? Mm-hmm. As long as there's eyeballs on the web page. This goes back to why I say this is not, you know, not a good environment for political discussion because you're only going to hear things that make you feel good, not things that make you think which might make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So they're they're promoting engagement rather exactly. than Enrichment. <laughs> That's right. That's a good way to say it, Dave. They're promoting engagement over enrichment. Yeah. Um, and something that Shalot says here, he says, people have freedom of speech to say whatever they want, uh, but they shouldn't have freedom to be amplified millions of times. In this case, I'm okay with that. But my problem is, my problem with saying that is that you actually run the risk for some pretty serious censorship down the road. Yeah, so it's interesting that the these platforms are sort of dipping their toes in this. I, I think they recognize that they're... They're getting pushback on this, and and uh, even if they don't uh, consider themselves responsible or, or think that they bear responsibility, perhaps just the PR part of it that uh, you know uh, right. people are are getting uh, are having bad feelings about their platforms because of these things. Maybe that's enough to make them uh, have some change or, or at least try some things. Well, hopefully it will be. Uh, you know, th- that's the old argument that I hear you and Brian and Jason talking about frequently is the it's just a platform. We let people say whatever they want to say or post whatever they want to post. Right. Um, I don't know. I think it, you bear some responsibility to to moderate that platform or to uh, curate it in some way, shape or form. Mm hmm. All right. Well, uh, it's uh, interesting for sure. Uh, I guess in the meantime, everybody uh, continue to stay safe out there and uh, please don't. Uh, don't burn down telephone please, masks. Please, right, exactly. Please harass engineers. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Enjoy the enjoy the enhanced speed of 5G and, and just let it, let it be that. Right? right, yeah. All right. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. 
Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.